0: You're listening to the Crypto Markets Wiki podcast, brought to you by John Lothian News. Michael Sunshine is the Managing Director and Board Member at Grayscale Investments, a company that creates and manages digital asset investment products, including the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. Before starting at Grayscale, Sunshine worked at Barclays, JP Morgan, and Bank of America. And now we have him on the podcast today to talk institutional trading and Bitcoin. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Pleasure to have you on. So uh, how are, obviously, we've got a lot of uh, logistical issues as far as business operations are concerned these days. How are you and Grayscale coping with the pandemic?
1: Well, first and foremost, i got to say how pleased I am that, you know, thankfully everybody on the team, as well as their family members, um, thankfully has been safe and sound throughout all of this. And so we're certainly thinking about our clients, our service providers, Everybody else out there, and, and hoping that people are weathering through this um, safely and, and uh, you know, in good health. Um, but I have to say that I would also applaud the grayscale team for seamlessly transitioning uh, to a work-from-home scenario. Um, not a single thing has slipped through the cracks, and everybody um, has really rallied around one another um, to continue to create. A cohesive environment and uh, continuing to keep up with our clients and our business goals. So, no, no real interruption other than not being able to physically see one another or be with each other on a daily basis.
0: Sure. Yeah. You and you guys have uh, you guys have had a busy year. I know the last time we spoke, you were in the process of filing Form 10 with the SEC, uh, which is also known as the General Form for Registration of Securities, and uh, that went into effect, I believe, in January. Is that correct?
1: It is. Yeah, it's been a really busy start to the year. Um, I think that our team really continues to try and ensure that the investment community as a whole knows that there are ways to work within the digital asset ecosystem in a way that fits into existing regulatory frameworks. And so a major milestone for us, and certainly for our flagship product, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, was that it became an FTC reporting company uh, in January, as you mentioned. And so that means that we're now subject to um, internal controls, filing 10Ks, 10Qs, 8Ks, really holding the product, um, as well as us as a team, to the same reporting and disclosure obligations that investors would see in really any publicly traded company on a national exchange or any kind of investment product. Um, and so this is the first digital currency investment vehicle to do so, um, and something that we're certainly proud of, and you know certainly something that investors have been telling us they've wanted. So um, that was a major milestone to kick off the year, for sure.
0: And that's just for the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, uh, is that correct?
1: That's correct. The the SEC reporting status um, is just for Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is publicly quoted under the symbol GBTC.
0: Okay. Are, are there any plans in the works for uh, maybe a applying the same kind of regulation to uh, Grayscale's other funds? You know, I
1: think our business model now, you know, having 10 different investment products has been to continue to bring interesting opportunities to investors through these private placements, right? So we're continuously raising capital into all 10 products um, in the Grayscale family, and we've been so far really good at bringing four of them into the public market. And we'd like to bring, um, and we'll hope to see more of them move into the public market over time. Um, which is obviously what was done with the grayscale Bitcoin trust. I think it's been great that that entity, um, that product has now become an SEC reporting company. And so it would certainly not surprise me to see us as a team work on achieving that same status um, for other products within our lineup. But the timing and ability to do so will be very dependent um, on you know, the regulatory climate and willingness to work around these products.
0: For sure. Also, so some one of the things we try to do on this show is um, like a lot of our audience are institutional investors, market makers, bankers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, not always people who necessarily have exposure to the digital asset uh, world. Uh, and that's kind of one of the things we try to do here is is sort of bridge that gap, which is kind of, in a lot of ways, what you do. So in your experience, what are some advantages to investing in a managed Bitcoin fund compared to investing in any other kind of managed fund?
1: Well, I think the Grayscale um, product suite and us as a team are certainly servicing an institutional investor audience. I think for many institutions, although it has become orders of magnitude easier um, to purchase and and buy digital currencies directly, they still, for the most part, do not fit within the legal and operational frameworks of many institutional investors. And so our product family has really been able to bridge that gap because what we're offering to folks um, in the investment community, especially institutions, is a titled security a, the ability to gain exposure to digital currencies. Um, and again, we have 10 different products that each are being offered through a titled security with a Q-sip, with audited financial statements, something that looks, feels, and acts like the other instruments they may use to gain exposure to certain subsets of, of asset classes, certain geographies, or even certain commodities in certain instances. And I think what's really interesting for investors to think about is how that momentum or how that interest in the space is changing or growing over time. And so one of the things that we do is on a quarterly basis, we publish um, our asset inflows. We look at which products receive more inflows than others. We try and extrapolate out any trends or interesting data points that we can share with the investment community. And one of the trends that we've been identifying over the past few quarters, which is continuing to gain momentum, is how much institutional adoption we're seeing. In fact, in the first quarter of 2020, about 88% of the over half a billion dollars we raised came from institutions, um, with the primary subset of that group being hedge funds, um, and that's non-crypto hedge funds. These are funds that are looking for digital asset exposure, um, and so that's a trend that we only see continuing to gain momentum, and um, one that I think we're super proud of.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I read through the report uh, that you guys published recently, and uh, it it said that Grayscale's products have raised a combined total of over half a billion dollars uh, over the past year, which is even more impressive when you consider the fact that at this time last year, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Grayscale's total investments were uh, somewhere around sixty million. So that's that's quite a leap.
1: Yeah, we've actually yeah we've actually raised over a billion dollars um over a oh, trailing wow. over a trailing twelve month basis. The first quarter of twenty twenty was in fact the strongest stretch of inflows we've oh, ever that's right. yeah. in such a short period of time. Just half a billion dollars in just the first quarter of this year, and what's probably even more interesting is the fact that that first quarter of twenty twenty actually accounts for 30% of all of the money that Grayscale has raised since the firm was started um, back in late 2013. So that should really signal to folks just how much interest and capital deployment is accelerating into the asset class.
0: What do you think accounts for all that uh, additional demand?
1: I think it varies quite a bit. You know, one of the things that we did in the first quarter of 2020 in, in the report we published, we started to delineate the different fund strategies um, and investment mandates of our hedge fund audience. And we really realized that it's it's not just one kind of investor, which is, I think, a theme that we've been trying to highlight as much as possible. There is this perception that digital currency investing is really meant for folks only with a technology bend Um, or only folks that really believe in, you know, blockchain or are really focused on payments and kind of some of those early use cases. But when we look at the makeup of our hedge fund audience, it's everything from global macro funds, you know, multi-strat funds to event-driven funds, risk arbitrage funds. It really runs the entire gamut of investment mandates and strategies. And so their motivations for exposure to the space will differ quite a bit. There are definitely investors that are interested in deploying capital into Bitcoin, um, first and foremost, as their first investment in the space and probably where they have the largest conviction, given that it's the largest digital currency. And maybe that's just because they see the adoption and how much staying power Bitcoin has, um, and it's an investment that they're excited about. Other folks may look at the risk-reward potential and look at a investment like Bitcoin, um, being able to provide them with a return stream um, or a potential return stream that they just may not find in other areas of the market. And I would say there's other folks that are you know, starting to either think about the advent of digital currency and how they may be affecting existing exposures that they may have on. And so it almost becomes like a hedge for them, um, particularly in arenas like payments. But I would say the most common thread amongst all of our investors, which is really a narrative that's solidified in the investment community, is around thinking of assets like Bitcoin as a digital gold or as a digital store of value. Um, one that's you know going to very likely stand up better in a digital ecosystem and in a digital age, which we certainly find ourselves living in, than may historical stores of value like gold, which may have had a much More permanent or much more obvious place in a world that was characterized by physical interaction. And so that may just not hold up anymore.
0: So, aside from Bitcoin, what other digital asset funds does Grayscale offer for its customers?
1: Well, so nine of the products we offer are single currency funds, meaning that they each offer and provide exposure to a single digital currency. And those are all passive strategies that are solely invested in each of those currencies. So, those range from Um, well-known assets like Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, etc., to also some other single-asset products of some currencies that are maybe a little bit less known, assets like Horizon, um, which some folks may not know, as well as some assets that focus on privacy-preserving protocols, protocols like Zcash and others. And so we have nine different funds along that realm. The 10th fund that we offer is actually a diversified basket, of large-cap digital currencies, and that's called the Grayscale Digital Large-Cap Fund. For that product, we use a rules-based methodology and give investors exposure to the upper 70% of the digital currency market. And we look at the fund constituents on a quarterly basis for inclusion and exclusion. And for a lot of folks, that's another place where they begin their investing cycle because it gives them the opportunity to make a single investment but get broad-based exposure to the asset class.
0: But Bitcoin is still by far the king. Would you say?
1: Well, it's not necessarily the fairest question um, because Bitcoin is certainly our largest product. Yes, that's certainly true, Um, and that's the grayscale Bitcoin trust. But it's also our longest running product. What's interesting to see, though, is that if we look back about a year or so ago, we saw that there was, you know, about twenty. I believe it was about twenty nine percent of our asset base, our investor base. Had had allocations to more than one product in the grayscale family, meaning that they had exposure to more than one digital currency. Today, as of the end of um, actually Q1, that number has jumped up to 38%. And so, what we're actually seeing is that investors are not only allocating to the asset class for the diversification benefits it offers, but they're also looking for diversification within the digital currency asset class for the added benefits that it may be providing to their portfolios.
0: So the last time we spoke, uh, you said that you always tell Grayscale's investors that investing in digital assets is not for the faint of heart. Can you tell our listeners why that is?
1: I don't think that digital currency is an investment or making investments in digital currency is something that's for everyone. What I do think is that the digital currency asset class is not going to go away, that the digital currency asset class is something that is Certainly going to be here to stay um, and has demonstrated quite a bit of staying power. And what I think investors really need to task themselves with, particularly in an investing environment that's, you know, characterized by unlimited amounts of quantitative easing and low rates and you know, seeing exceeding amounts of volatility, is that they need to be smart about the asset class. And that means getting educated about it. And we certainly spend a lot of our time doing that with the investment community and always welcome the opportunity to have those kinds of conversations. But digital currency has now come far enough along that every investor should at least be considering it for their portfolios, but certainly should not be including it in their portfolios. There is a growing importance and a growing understanding within investors that it is early for the digital currency asset class, we're still yet to see a multitude of really important use cases be developed around it. And there's still hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of digital currencies out there vying for market share and use cases and adoption and usage. And so we would say that it is something that investors should be considering. And it is something that a lot of investors' portfolios may be able to benefit from. But it is certainly not for investors that don't have you know, longer term time horizons and can't stomach the volatility that comes with investing in an early stage investment like digital currency would be likened to, like similar to a, you know, early DC investment or, or kind of an early stage technology type of investment.
0: So let's say that I'm let's say that I'm not like an accredited investor. Uh, let's say that I'm just somebody who wants to invest in, you know, a well managed, regulated uh, investment product that is tied to digital assets, what would I need to become a Grayscale customer? Who who are your products for?
1: That's a great question. As a non-accredited investor, we would certainly encourage folks to do some homework on the Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund and um, consider that for inclusion in their portfolios. So Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund is publicly traded um, under the symbol GDLC. Um, And so if you have a brokerage account and are interested in adding some crypto exposure to your portfolio, this may very well be a good place for you to start. Um, Again, this is the only diversified offering that Grayscale currently has as as part of its product family. And so, this is a product that will give you exposure to a broad base of large-cap digital currencies. Um, Today, that consists of five different currencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Bitcoin Cash, and Litecoin. And over time, because the fund will include and exclude digital currencies into the constituent holdings of the fund, this will kind of allow your holding of the vehicle to move over time with the assets that constitute a higher value within the digital currency ecosystem. And so anybody, anywhere that has an investment account and can access the public market can certainly um, check out and, and purchase shares of GDLC.
0: Well, obviously, you guys had a really strong Q1. So uh, what are you working on for Q2 or the rest of the year?
1: I think we're really excited to see the momentum that we had in Q1 continue into Q2. Again, as you said, that was a really strong quarter for us. And I can say already, um, as we're near the end of April, we're still uh, seeing quite a bit of consistent inflows from investors. We're not seeing investors at all being shaken by volatility in the markets or any of the uncertainty that the corona pandemic has created. What we're instead seeing is investors tactically using any kind of drawdowns and prices as times to average down on their positions or gain additional exposure. And so I think for us, it's really just continuing to stay in front of our investors and hopefully continuing to bring them interesting opportunities as they you know, look to build more resilient portfolios in a world that looks ever different as a result of all of these changes.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast here. I've had a great time talking to you. I have just one more question for you. Sure. What are you looking forward to, to more, the having or the quarantine ending?
1: <laughs> well, for those who are listening to this and may not know what the Bitcoin halving is, I'll take a quick couple of seconds and unpack it for you. In order to understand the halving, which is something we definitely encourage investors to do and invite them to visit the Grayscale website, where we have a couple of great resources um, around the having is to kind of return to Bitcoin basics. And when we say Bitcoin basics, we're going to drill into the supply characteristics around Bitcoin. So there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin that ever get created. Um, and that's a hard and fast rule, and that's baked into the protocol itself. Today, there are about 18.3 or 18.4 million Bitcoin out of that 21 million Bitcoin in circulation. And the way that new Bitcoin come into circulation is through a process called mining, which many people have heard of. And mining is a process where computers around the world are contributing their computational power to confirm transactions taking place on the network. So, for instance, if you and I did a transaction in Bitcoin, there would be a computer on the network that would be confirming that transaction and making sure that it's valid. Now, as a reward for confirming that transaction, computers are receiving freshly minted Bitcoin. And the amount of that award changes over time, which is why we as investors and supporters of the Bitcoin protocol not only know how many Bitcoin are in circulation at any point in time, but we can also very predictively model out how many Bitcoin there will ever be in the future and at what rate they'll come into circulation. And so every four years, approximately, the amount of the award that Bitcoin miners receive gets cut in half which is why the event is called the halving or the halvening. And so the halving event has occurred twice in Bitcoin's history, first in 2012, second in 2016, and the third time will happen in early May of 2020. And so we don't know whether or not the constraining of the Bitcoin supply rate in just about two weeks, um, whether that will have an impact on the Bitcoin price, whether it's already baked in or not, but what we know is that from the past two halving events we've seen historically is that these events have been an important price catalyst for the for Bitcoin in the weeks and months that followed. So we're definitely looking um, at as many signs and, and things as we can in the market. But it is very difficult to predict what, if any, effect the halving will have on the Bitcoin price. But it is certainly something that investors should be looking at as well over the next couple of weeks, particularly because the having is occurring at the same time that we're seeing unlimited amounts of quantitative easing, you know, being pumped into our system by central government. So very, very interesting stage being set for the upcoming Bitcoin halving event.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the on the podcast. Um, and I've learned a lot today. And hopefully our listeners have as well.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for having
0: me. We'd love to come back and chat. Yeah, of you. course. Anytime. <laughs> For more news, videos, and podcasts like this, head over to johnlothiannews.com.